0: We heard Isaiah tell us this morning, lift up your voice with strength, lift it up, do not be afraid, say, here is your God, amen. My dear Christian friends, many of you know that I'm colorblind, although my sisters think I just never learned my colors as a kid. But usually when people learn that I'm colorblind, their first question is, oh, you're colorblind. What color is this? Or what color is that? And then I ask them, so when you meet someone who's blind, do you ask them, hey, what does this look like to you? Or when you meet someone who's deaf, hey, what does this sound like to you? Now I understand where they're coming from because if they are people who only see color, it's hard to imagine someone that cannot tell the difference between red and green or cannot see shades of blue or purple or someone who has no idea what color periwinkle is. But it's probably similar with someone who does not feel despair or anxiety. It's hard for them to imagine what it's like to be anxious and depressed, to imagine what it's like to have such strong emotions that can be debilitating. The Mayo Clinic defines depression this way Depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest also called major depressive disorder or clinical depression. It affects how you feel, think, and behave and can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. You may have trouble doing normal day-to-day activities and sometimes you may feel as if life isn't worth living. More than just a bout of the blues, depression isn't a weakness and you can't simply snap out of it. And so you may not be willing to talk to others about how you feel depressed, anxious, listless, or perpetually sad. Because if, nev- if someone has never felt those ways, it- they may have the best intentions in talking to you, but their advice is not helpful. Not when they say things like, snap out of it, or you know if you would just get up and get busy, everything would be better, or you need to just trust Jesus more. They aren't saying anything bad. They're just not saying anything helpful. Because I wonder if those same people would say those same things to someone who has broken a hip or whose house is on fire. You know, you just need to get up off the sofa and and get moving around and you'll feel better about yourself. You know, you just need to trust Jesus more. Well, you trust Jesus when your house is on fire, but you also call the fire department that you do get up and get moving when your hip is broken and after surgery, but only after the doctor has given you the okay for physical activity. Sin has broken our world and broken our bodies in so many ways, and that brokenness may show itself in colorblind eyes or broken hips. Or houses that are on fire. And that brokenness may show itself in broken minds and broken emotions. And no matter what someone says to you, that brokenness is real. Because it doesn't matter if someone says to to me, this is fuchsia. I don't know what that is. And it doesn't matter if someone says to you, snap out of it. Or uh, you just snap out of it or just stop worrying. You can't do it. Our brokenness cannot be healed by wishful thinking. The way to deal with brokenness is with real healing. A $100 pair of glasses for correction of colorblindness. Medicine and physicians for depression and anxiety. The great physician of the body gives us physicians and counselors to help us with our brokenness when our bodies are broken beyond our abilities to heal ourselves. The great physician of the soul also blesses us with his holy word for our broken minds, hearts, and souls. And that's exactly what Isaiah is saying in these verses Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and call out to her. Her warfare really is over. Her guilt is fully paid for. Yes, she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. There were no physicians or counselors to diagnose clinical depression back in Isaiah's day around 700 B.C. And yet, I think We're safe in saying there are probably a lot of anxious and depressed people back then. I think we would be. It was depressing being in Babylonian captivity, not knowing if we were ever going to return home and being so far away from Jerusalem. But the worst part of all of this was that the people knew that this was their fault. It was because of their continual disobedience of God's laws. It was because of their constant worshiping of false gods instead of worshiping the true God. It was their constant refusal to repent of their sins that caused God to give them a message of repentance and led God to have them carried off into captivity for 70 years. And then God uses Isaiah to preach his law to his people. So for 39 chapters, God hammers his people with law for their lawlessness. The Holy Spirit gives Isaiah these words of God's lament already in the first chapter. How terrible it would be for that sinful nation or a people loaded with guilt, offspring who act wickedly, children who are corrupt, They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have deserted Him and turned back. But then this message of guilt is followed by a message of comfort. That God is binding the wounds of His people. He is healing the brokenness of their minds. He is calming their anxious hearts. That after hammering His people with his guilt and his strong rebuke, and being carried off into captivity, God trusts that his people are going to repent. So after 39 chapters of guilt, the very first verse of chapter 40 is comfort. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Not just one comfort, but two comforts. That despite all of their faithfulness, rebellion, and brokenness, God still calls them my people. He still refers to himself as your God. I remind my eighth graders in catechism class all the time, but they're old enough now to look for these intricacies of the Holy Spirit through his holy writers. Intricate phrases like my people and your God. And this comfort comes to God's people through God's prophets, apostles, pastors, and you, God's people. This comfort comes through human speech. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and call out to her. So speak, use your voice, call out, let your message be heard. And what is the message that you need to hear first and then apply to yourself? What is the message that you need to call out and apply to others Her warfare really is over. Her guilt is fully paid for. Yes, she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And notice how all of these sentences are past tense and passive tense. That Israel did nothing to remove her guilt. It was done for her. And this guilt is already removed even though it would happen in the future. In God's eternal viewpoint, it has already happened in the past. The Israelites needed comfort, and you need comfort too. You rush around from this activity to that activity. Your father taught you from early on to do the very best in every activity, and yet you don't have the time to do the best. You have time to be good enough and just move on. And the result of all of this rushing around is guilt. Because you know that you are not the employee that your boss pays you to be. You know that you are not the spouse or parent or child that your family needs you to be. You know that you are not the child of God that your Heavenly Father created and called you to be. And the result is a guilty conscience. Anxiety, stress, despair, piling more things on your already busy schedule, cutting more corners. You try to comfort yourself with affirmations. It's the best I could do, they'll understand. Or you comfort yourself by opening up your Amazon account and buying more things to buy your children's love. Or you try to comfort yourself by eating a plate of Christmas cookies or you comfort yourself by just not getting out of bed. Like the children of Israel, we deserve to be punished. But instead of punishment, though, God promises comfort. Because like those Old Testament children of Israel, you have broken God's commands by doing your own thing. You go and you do your other activities, and you put them ahead of your worship of God. You refuse to come to God and repentance. And in all of this, you wage war against the Almighty God. But God says that his war with you is already over. Jesus was born in Bethlehem to be your stand-in, to grow up and to take and drink every drop of his heavenly Father's wrath over your disobedience. He endured the hellish punishment for your rebellion, that he endured unspeakable agony because of your refusal to speak praises to God. And yet through Christ, God's anger is quenched. He puts down his weapons of war that his wrath against you is satiated. The war between you and God is over because of your mediator, Jesus. You often place false guilt on yourself for the things that you think and that you do or don't do. And yet, you ignore the real guilt that you should be feeling because of the things that you have done or not done against God. And yet, through Jesus, God holds nothing against you. God doesn't offer you a cookie or an extra pillow or extra credit on your Amazon account to make you feel better about yourself. But God makes you feel better about yourself by removing your guilt. You may like an extra Christmas cookie to comfort you, and yet there is not a crumb of your sin left. You may feel like you can't get out of bed, but Jesus got on the cross for you. You may feel like you have to buy your children's love, and yet Jesus bought his heavenly Father's love and forgiveness by what he went through on the cross. For all of your guilt, sin, and rebellion, you deserve to be punished. But through Jesus, God gives you a double measure of his grace. Yes, she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, this doesn't mean just two times blessing, but rather ample blessings, abundant blessings, more blessings than you could ever imagine or dream of. Jesus took the scourge, the cross, the crown. He received the abundance of God's wrath so that you might receive an abundance of God's blessing from his hand. If you suffer from depression or anxiety, you may feel reluctant to tell others about what you're going through because they may not grasp how your depression threatens to pry your fingers off of Christ's cross you're trying to cling to. They may not be able to understand the darkness of the shadow of your anxiety that is in your heart, so it makes it difficult for you to see the light of Christ in your life. But Jesus knows what you're going through. He is the divine physician of both body and soul. He even knows the right words to say. Words to remind you that your guilt has been trumped by God's grace. The Lord comes not as your accuser, but as your forgiver. Not as your tyrant, but as your shepherd. Not as your judge, but as your savior. Not to crush you deeper with more guilt so that you never feel like you can get out of bed but rather to give you an abundance of double comfort with his love so that you are ever closer to him. And that double comfort comes to you. When the Lord rended open the heavens to come down and break into history as God in a manger, he comes with comfort because you are his people and he is your God. Amen.